Uh, and Nehemiah chapter 1, I think you had an opportunity to get there. Uh, and I'm going to start reading in verse number 1. I'm getting just a little bit of feedback. Um, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, it came to pass that in the month of Chisel, in the 20th year, I was in Shishan, the citadel, that Haniah, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, uh, who had survived the captivity concerning, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from captivity in the province are there in great distress, reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. And it was when I heard these words that I sat down and I wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Uh, pray with me. I need a little bit more mic, please. Thank you. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. God, we thank you that you're at work in us, Lord. And I pray this morning as I deliver this word that, God, that you would speak in and through me. Father, you know, Father, what your people need. I'm simply a conduit, Lord. And, and Father, I pray that you would really speak to us in a very profound way today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the Lord's presence. Amen, amen. We've been in our series entitled Distracted. And I must say to you that one of the biggest fears that any teacher, preacher, minister of the word, one of the biggest fears we have is that when we preach, that our preaching is just another sermon. That you hear what was being spoken, but somehow it does not go down into the depths of our hearts and transform us. I am passionate. You all know me. I'm very passionate about Christ. I'm very passionate about knowing and loving and serving him. Because I've come to realize in life that there is no greater joy. There's no greater joy. And, and, and I know that, that, that we live in, in a world that is fashioned in such a way that it's very difficult to make time to be with Jesus. You hear me say that, and this whole series has really been about intimacy. It's really what it's been about. And you would have some choices to make as it relates to your life on a regular basis. But here's what, I, here's what I've come to understand. You can't fake intimacy, amen? You can't fake it. Either, either it's there or it's not. We can come in and we can go through the motions and, and we, can, we can do all the right things. But God who searches the hearts, he wants you. He wants you. God is in love with you. And, and more than anything else, than all the things that he can give you, all the stuff that is here, God really, 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 really loves you. I don't think some of us really realize how much he loves us. God, God created you for him. Do you understand that? God created you for him. 
we, belong, we are his good pleasure. We were designed for God. And anything to try to occupy that space is, is trouble, is vanity. I want to talk to you this morning, is that okay? I don't want to preach. I want to, I, I want to have a conversation this morning. Because I want you to feel my heart. I really pray that our people will come to a place in their life where Christ is dominating every corner, every turn. That every day you get up, you think of him. Every moment you breathe, you are, you are contemplating his goodness. You, you are worshiping him. And you are, that song we sung this morning where, where it talks about, I'm desperate. I don't know about you, but I'm desperate. You say, well, pastor, why is it so important to stay focused? Why, why are you talking about distraction? Because, because, because here is what I know, that, that no matter, after this sermon and the series end, here's what will happen. You will still be bombarded with things and activity unless you figure out a way to slow yourself down so that you can experience the beauty of our creator. You will never, ever enjoy the fullness of life. Jesus didn't come to take life and fun away from us, people. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly to the full and overflowing. God doesn't want to take anything from you. He want to give you stuff. He want to give you him. He must become our greatest possession, our greatest joy, our greatest love. And, and I, I know that distractions will come. I, I, I know that God will stare your hearts. I know that he's going to stare you. He's going to put passion. He's going to put vision in you. He's going to set direction in your life. And there the enemy will be there that will try and he will do everything he can to pull you away from what God want to do in your life. I know it. Jesus said concerning Peter, he said, Peter, Satan wants you. You know why Satan wanted Peter? Because God had a major assignment for him. He said, Peter, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to make your life a mess. He wanted to get you confused. But Peter, he said, Peter, I prayed for you, Peter. I prayed that in the midst of that, that you don't lose your faith, you don't lose your way, that you keep going. That you, listen, just, to take, just because you take a hit from the enemy, don't fret, don't feel like, well, man, life is, let me tell you something, it's par for the course, in golf terms, it's part of the game. For Christians, it's a life or death issue that we hear from God. Shame on those who say that God doesn't speak today. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't have no clue. God's speaking. And let me tell you something. Everything that is happening around us, and you all see this, you know, God, 
The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels right here, right here. You have the capacity to bring life everywhere you go. You are the possessors of life. So no wonder the enemy want people to get so entrenched in everything and anything but God and his purpose for your life. Gosh, he has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you. God want to take you places that you've never been before. God want to show you things that you've never seen before. God has a plan for your life. And I don't care what the devil throws you away. The things of this world don't measure up. You will discover in life, if you keep living, and some of you young people, you're probably listening this morning, you say, Pastor, I have no clue what you're talking about. Keep living. But some of you who lived a little while, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. This is it right here. This, this, this is living so, cultivating intimacy with Jesus is important because I need to hear. I, I believe that the people of God, so many people are blind and lost today and have lost their way, are in trouble because, I'm talking about Christians, because they don't know how to hear his voice. They don't know what Jesus sounds like. Jesus said, my sheep hears my voice and another voice they won't follow. My sheep hears my voice. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When you were a little kid, when your mama could call you two miles away, you heard mom say, son, John, April, time for dinner. And no matter what you were doing, you knew that voice and you came running. Anything else, you knew it wasn't your mama. It wasn't your daddy. You know his voice. God wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. Because... Your joy, your peace, your happiness, everything that you want in life, everything you think you want, here's where you'll find it, in Christ. You're not going to find it in anything else. You're not going to find it in drugs. You're not going to find it in material possessions. You're not going to find it in money. You're not going to find it in education. At the end of the day, it's all vanity. It is Christ and Christ alone. It's Christ. It's Christ. Nehemiah was an extraordinary man of God. Gosh, he was. For those of you who are leaders, and you, if, you, if you are a, a leader in any capacity, whether it's church, whether it's on your job, whether you own a business, if you want to learn about the principles of leadership, there is no better book in the Bible on practical leadership than the book of Nehemiah. This man had some mad organizational skills. He knew how to gather people together and assemble them toward a common goal. Nehemiah dealt with conflict. He dealt with challenges. And yes, Nehemiah had every opportunity and every reason to quit. There was so much coming at Nehemiah. But Nehemiah was first and foremost, he was a man of God. And so he finds himself in Persia because the people of God were disobedient, so God allowed them to be taken out of their land. Nehemiah, he finds himself 
in the king's court. He was a cupbearer. He was responsible to come and to test the king's drink and make sure that whatever the king had, he didn't get poisoned to death. And when you came before a king, you had to come before a king with a happy face. You had to come with a smile. You couldn't come with your baggage. You couldn't come with your problems, not to the king, because if you did, the king would have you destroyed. So Nehemiah, uh, he was a cupbearer, and he had heard he had, uh, while he was in the king's palace serving the king, um, he had heard that his people, Jerusalem, his homeland, the land was completely destroyed. The walls were torn down, and the people were in distress. So he asked a question. He says, he says to, to some of the folks that have been back home, he said, well, how are things going back home? And, and, and they said, well, it's terrible. So the walls are torn down. The people are distressed. They're in the bondage. They're being oppressed in the worst of ways. And when Nehemiah heard that, watch this, people. When Nehemiah heard that, his response wasn't, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's my, my, my people are, are messed up. That's, that's them. But you know what? I, I, I'm in the king's palace. I'm doing pretty good, by the way. I mean, I'm serving the king. I'm living in an air-conditioned home. I, I got my Xbox. I got my plasma TV. I got all the amenities that one can desire. I am doing well right here. And my people, I know they're in trouble. I'll pray for y'all, but God has blessed me. It's my birthday. It's my birthday. Huh? Huh? Nah, he didn't do that, did he? Nehemiah heard it. Nehemiah, when he heard it, his heart broke. He says, my people, they are destroyed. The walls of my city have been torn down. And Nehemiah couldn't sleep. He couldn't rest. He said, God, what's, what's wrong? And the Bible says that he began to fast and pray. You see, when God burdens you and gives you a call to do a work, oftentimes it starts with some kind of burden. I hear people say, well, I've been called in the ministry. Called to do what? What have you been called to do? What's your burden? When God calls, he always gives a burden. He pricks your heart. For some of you, God has burdened you. You may have a burden for youth. You may have a burden for business. You may have a burden for the elderly. You may have a burden for You may have a burden for, for all kinds of different things. But here's the thing. When God stares your heart, when you're called by God, he gives you something that you can't shake. Amen. Nehemiah, you know it had to be a God thing because life was good for him. He's in the king's court, people. But he said, no. Nah. He couldn't shake it. Every time he turned around, man, I got it. I got it. So here's what he did. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go before the king. And, and, and he prayed. He said, I'm going to go before the king, and I'm going to ask, and I'm going to pray that he will let me go back and build the walls of Jerusalem. God gave him a specific plan in his heart. Go back and build the walls. So what he does, Nehemiah says, okay. 
He summons up the courage. He prays. He seeks God. He fasts. And he goes before the king. And when he walks before the king, he comes before the king with a sad face. The king says, what's wrong with you, Nehemiah? What's your problem? Now, Nehemiah was flirting with death because when you came before the king with a sad face, he killed you. He came. Nehemiah came. And he says, well, the problem is my, my people. I just want to go back. I, I, I just, I'm desperate. And, and this is what God put on my heart. And this is what I know he wants me to do. And, and, and I just need to get back there. And, 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 and I pray that you would let me go back. And you know the king, you know what he said? He said, sure, what you want, I'll give it to you. So the king gave him favor. The king says, you can go. And then Nehemiah says, no, no, but I need letters. I need you to write some letters because I got to go through some provinces. And, and, and those people are going to try to mess with me. So can you please also, king, can, can you write a letter, give letters giving me authority to go through the provinces? The king says, I'll give you that. Oh, oh, and by the way, I'm going to need some lumber. I'm going to need some timber. I'm going to need some things by which to build. Uh, king, do, do you mind? King says, I'll give you that too. How many know whatever God burdened you for, he'll make provision for? When God puts a burden, when God calls you, when God calls you, God will provide for whatever it is that he's stirring your heart to do. Nehemiah, he goes off and he heads there. No doubt, no doubt, excited. No doubt, he sensed a greater purpose. How many know that there's more to life than just living a life of luxury? Are y'all with me? You, you, you see, Nehemiah said, man, he could have said, I got it all. But he said, no, 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 no. Oh, no, there, there's something greater. How many of you want to be, I ask this question all the time, how many of you want to be great for God? Not status quo, but you want to be great. Understand something. Nehemiah's sister, just like Moses, you remember Moses, the Bible said that Moses was in Pharaoh's court. Moses was rather, was wanting to rather uh, uh, have affliction and go through affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses says, look, I'm in Pharaoh's court. Life is good for me, but you know what? I got to go. Got to go. I got something God is staring me. I got something I need to do, and my life will not be complete until I do what he's called me to do. How many know what I'm talking about? God has set a fire inside of you, and you know it is from God. Whatever it might be, there's something that stares you, and you know your life won't be complete until you do it. For some of you, you just got to step out. You got to step out and believe. So Nehemiah, look at uh, chapter number four. Y'all still with me? Say Amen. And Nehemiah chapter number four, watch this. But wouldn't you know, <laughs> wouldn't, you, wouldn't you know it? Uh, is anybody shocked that when Nehemiah set out to do what God has put in his heart, that immediately he was faced with opposition? Oh, opposition. How many of you like opposition? How many of you like opposition? I'm going to ask that question again until I get an answer. How many of you like opposition? 
Watch this. If you don't like opposition, you will never be great. You know, you ever think about it? The stories that we read about, you know, you know people who have star power? You ever notice that they accomplished some great things? They overcame giants. They overcame. The Bible says that, that concerning the Christian, that they overcame by the word of their testimony. What are they testifying to? That they got through it. They came over it. God gave them victory. How many of you would want to watch a football game and of all that was on the field was the offense and there was no defense? How many of you would want to watch that? Boring. And the Redskins would still lose. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, sorry. I'm, just, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I lost it. I don't know what happened. Uh, yeah. You'll figure out a way to beat yourself. No, I'm, just, I'm sorry. I'm just, uh, okay, get back here. Come back, come back, come back. So, 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 <laughs> so, so understand. So life is full with opposition. Opposition is the thing that prepares you for greatness because now you're at a place where you have a testimony about how God brought you out. You go to the store and you buy books and you read about generals or you read the Bible. How many know David and Moses and Paul and Peter? Look at their life. Man, they had to overcome some stuff, didn't they? But boy, when they got through it, they got a testimony now. Now they can testify that here's where I was, but God brought me out. Well, how did that happen? I slayed a giant. There was a bear. There was a lion. And God gave me power, and I overcame, and here I am today. I'm king because I overcame. Opposition is the gateway. It's the gateway to greatness. See, most people look at opposition, and they fall back. They go backward. They go back. Oh, man, this is too hard. You don't want to be great then. If you think that way, you've got to raise your level of faith and understand that God is making a testimony out of your life. Yeah, 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 yeah. God is making a testimony out of your life so that you can have some substance so that when you stand behind a pulpit, you've got something to talk about. Come on, somebody. God, you see, if you just stood here, if God just gave you everything you ever wanted, no sweat, wasn't hard, that would be boring. But boy, we have to pray sometimes. We have to cry out to God. When you feel like your back is up against the wall and Pharaoh's army is behind your back and you've got nowhere to go and all of a sudden God opened the Red Sea and you walk right on dry ground. I mean, no, you got a testimony. Opposition. Embrace it. Embrace opposition. Some of you got some hardness in your life. You got some struggles. You got some difficulties. Listen, what you should be saying is, okay, God, this is an opportunity for you to show yourself strong. God, and you decided to choose me. It's my turn. And God, I'm going to make sure that you get the glory. Let it not be said that I whine and I complain about my circumstance. Let it be said of me that Pastor Baylor was a man of faith. He persevered. He persevered. I mean, Nehemiah, oh, gosh, he faced opposition. Look at this. Look at Nehemiah chapter 4. And it says, watch this, verse number 1. But it so happened when Samballot heard. Now, watch this now. Everybody say Samballot. You remember that name? Because some of you got some Sam Ballas and some Tobias work all around you. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all got some Sam Ballas and some Tobias. 
and you about to get mad and lose it over your Sam Ballot and your Tobias. But I'm going to show you how to handle your Sam Ballot and your Tobias. Uh, but it so happened when Sam Ballot heard that we were rebuilding the walls, because God called him, right? See, he mobilized these people. Now they're building the walls. Things are happening. God is moving. I had a passion. I had a vision. Boy, we're making headway. God is doing this thing. But, but Sam Ballot and Tobiah, they, they realized this thing. The Bible says they were furious and very indignant. And watch this, folks. They mocked the Jews. Y'all getting this? Look, look, watch this. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Would they fortify themselves? I mean, really? Would they offer sacrifices? Would they complete it in a day? Would they revive the stones from the heaps of the rubbish? <laughs> now, Tobiah, the Ammonite, was beside him, and he said, whatever they build, even a fox go up on it, he will break down their stone. Boy, how many know that's some serious marking right there? See, Sam Ballard and Tobiah, see, those are the voices that say, you can't do it. I mean, really? You think that you're going to have a level of success? They say, oh, you're not, you're not real. <laughs> you don't have what it takes. These are the Sam Ballots and the Tobias. No one will buy your product. In fact, nobody likes you. <laughs> you are too old. You are too young. You're not going to be able to accomplish this. You can't do it. You don't have what it takes. See, that's why it's important to hear from God. Because when you hear from God, you can silence the voice of the enemy real quick. When you know God's called you. See, the Sambala and the Tobiah was there to tell them, you ain't going to be able to accomplish anything. You're a fake. Even, they, they've so far to mark them and say, look, even if your little wall you put up, <laughs> your little wall, man, if a fox jump on that thing, that thing going to fall down. How many of you... Every now and then you hear the Sam Ballas and the Tobias whispering in your ear. Oh, you can't do it. You don't have what it takes. I know you're trying, you're working hard, but you know, it, it, it ain't going to happen. Why are you wasting your time? Why, why, why are you giving to God? Why, why, are, you, why are you tithing? You ain't going to make no difference. Don't you know that if you give your money, you're going to be broke? Don't you know that God won't provide for you? Sam Bada and Tobiah. Don't you understand? Don't you understand that, 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 that you're trying to help somebody else and you, you're giving your time? And your, don't you know it's a waste of time when, when you can just relax and do what? What was Sam Bada and Tobiah trying to do? See, y'all see, it's spiritual because the enemy is always going to whisper doubt. He's going to whisper fear. You can't, you don't, you, you're, how many you, how many know fear is one of the big, the enemy's biggest grip? Some of you right now, you know that you're in bondage because you're scared. God sent me to break it this morning. Set you free. I got a key and it's the word of God. I'm going to take the chains off and dare you to trust God. 
and silenced the voice of the enemy. See, but Nehemiah, no, Nehemiah didn't go back and he didn't, he didn't even entertain it. He didn't go back and oh God, really? Are you serious? You don't think you don't think they like me? You don't think I'm gonna be? Oh, okay. No, no, no. Nehemiah said no, no. He got there. He said, Lord, Lord. He, let's look what Nehemiah said. Nehemiah, he prayed in verse number four, uh, chapter four. He says, "Hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own head." In other words, God, show them that they're wrong. That you are greater, stronger, more powerful. How I many you know Nehemiah wasn't faithless? He was faithful because God. That called him in something. But you know what it says in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6? Look at verse 6. So we built the wall. Now they've already, they constructed the wall. He got the people together. In the midst of all of that, there's a bunch of fighting. There's a bunch of trying to cause doubt, trying to cause unbelief. When I say fighting, fighting in the spirit realm. The enemy is fighting. He's whispering doubt and unbelief. But verse 6 says, so we built the wall. The entire was joined together up to half its height. Watch this. For the people had a mind to work. <clears throat> you know, you know greatness come at a cost. Y'all know that? Yeah. Greatness come at a cost. And a lot of people that want the glory, but they don't want to put in what it takes in order to get there. Yeah. Don't want to put in the sacrifice. Oh, oh, I want, I want this, I want that. Do you really want that? Well, you know what it's going to require. I want to be a doctor. You want to be a doctor? Good, but you're going to spend about seven, eight years of your life in school. Well, I don't want to go to school. I'm going to try to bypass that. Don't understand the sacrifice that it costs money. It takes time, and it takes commitment. There are too many of God's people, watch this, too many of God's people are not committed. How many of you know what I'm talking about? If we want to, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you got to have a mind to work. In other words, they had a, they were disciplined. They said, you know what? God's called us to build a wall, and here's what's going to happen. It's going to be hard some days. Sometimes I'm not going to be able to get a whole lot of sleep. Sometimes I'm going to have to sacrifice a little bit. Sometimes, in order for me to be able to do what God has called me to be, it's going to require me to be inconvenienced. How many of you know that you have to have a mind to work? You ain't going to be a marathon runner if you don't put in the time and the hours of training. That's a joke, right? I'm going to run a marathon. Yeah, you're going to run yourself dead. <laughs> you better get it. You better start practicing. Oh, man, I want to slim up. Move away from the table. Right? It takes sacrifice. People come in the gym all the time. Boy, I want, I want to get slim. I want to get muscular. I want to get big. Okay, well, here's the program. Well, I ain't trying to do all that. I just thought, you know, I can just kind of get it, you know. I just thought I would just, like, you know, just kind of look at me and just, whew. No, you're going to have to cry a little bit. Yeah, you're going to have to get up. You're going to have to go to that gym when you don't feel like it. When that bed is calling you, come, come to bed. You're going to have to go. Why? Because you're on a mission. The people had a mind to work. You know, we're going to accomplish what we accomplished as a people, as a church, by everybody understanding that we, I got a mind to work. How many know that we want, how many want a great ministry to have world impact? 
I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I'm, not, I'm just not a small-minded person. I'm sorry. I just keep thinking big. But how many know it's going to take some sacrifice? Everybody that I know of that ever did anything great, it takes sacrifice. Take sacrifice. The people had a mind to work. In other words, they knew what they had to do, and they said, you know what? Let's do it. Now, sometimes it was rough. You read the story of Nehemiah every time, and they kind of, some of them start barking a little bit about their circumstance. But they stayed the course. You know why? Because I'm on an assignment from God. And there's nothing that's going to stop me from doing what God wants me to do. Are y'all hearing me? I don't know, I'm talking to somebody, God has burdened you with something. I'm not a dream, a vision, something. And you just need to understand, you need to pursue it. Go after what God has put in your heart. Don't worry about what people say or think. Do what God has put in your heart. My only thing is, make sure it's from God. That's my only thing. <laughs> because that's a whole other sermon. I don't have time to go down that road. Uh, they fought. Watch this. How many know that even while you're serving the Lord and you're moving toward your purpose and your goal, that there is going, you're going to have to fight sometimes. I mean, <laughs> look at Nehemiah chapter, chapter, I think we're still in chapter number four. Look at this verse. And we're, we're coming down. We're, we're starting to land the plane. You know, this is the point where you turn off your, your, your phone and all of that, you know, because we're getting ready to land the plane. Some of y'all who fly know what I'm talking about. Turn off your cell phone, turn off your eye. Okay, no. All right. So Nehemiah 4, 6, uh, 4, verses 16 through 18. It says, so it was from that time on that half my servants worked at construction while the other half held their spears, their shields, the bows, and were and wore armor, and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. How many knew they had each other's back? Those who built on the wall and those who carried the burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction, with the other hand they held a weapon. Oh, some of y'all, y'all got to stay with me. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built. See, sometimes, brother and sisters, you know, sometimes you got to, you got to fight the devil off. Come on, sometimes, I mean, you're on your knees in one minute, brother, and, and you're hammering at the next, and you're like fighting the devil off. Get off of me. Some of you are fighting, and, and you, you're in a fight. You got a hammer in one hand. You're trying to do what God's called you to do. And you got the devil just trying to pull you back. And you got to fight. You see, but how many know you need to fight with purpose? <laughs> you know, we used to have in high school, in, when I was a little kid in, in school, and I used to love to see me. I, I shouldn't say this, but I had a child's mind. I wasn't walking with the Lord. I mean, can y'all give me that? And, 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 you know, and he, I used to love to see the girls fight. The girls were worse, far worse than the dudes were. And I used to love to see him do this. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. No purpose, just swing it. I'm hoping. Skill. How many remember? How many know Mike Tyson? Mike Tyson, boy. I mean, Mike Tyson was bad back in the day. Well, Mike Tyson, he he never last past one round. 
I mean, I remember he first won the championship, Michael Spinks. I was in college, maybe when he got all the popcorn and all this stuff we got. And, uh, man, we sit there, and we were ready for a big fight, like eight or something. Boom, dude just fell down. I don't know how many seconds, but dude uh, uh, who had Spinks gave up. I said, what, what is this? Mike Tyson instilled fear in people before he threw a punch. He just stand over like this. I remember Spinks over like this. And I said, he got him. He's already done. But something bad happened with Mike Tyson. See, the, the purpose of fighting is to win the championship, right? To win the, I want to win the belt. I want to win the match. Mike Tyson lost his way because what happened was he ended up fighting Holyfield. He met Holyfield. Holyfield could box. And Holyfield would whip his butt. And Mike Tyson couldn't stand that he couldn't just hit Holyfield. Holyfield would go down. Holyfield, no, no, Holyfield was just like, Holyfield would, it took him. Holyfield withstood Mike Tyson. And Mike Tyson got so frustrated that he said, and he bit his ear off. Y'all remember that? How many know he lost his way? He never won a championship ever again. Because he didn't know how to fight it. He, he didn't know how to fight no more. He lost it. See, here's the thing. Here's, I say that to say this. God has given us purpose. If you're one of those people who lose it and lost control and you're just out there just floundering, you got to know what you're hitting at. And while you're doing what you're doing, you need to make sure that you keep your goal in mind. See? Don't fight. Listen, fight skillfully. Your fighting is going to be on your knees. Pray. That's where your fight's going to be. Because the enemy is going to be fighting you ferociously. But, but, but while you're fighting, here's what to do. Make sure that you don't lose your way. Just keep hammering away. Amen. Keep hammering away. And here's what, you keep serving God. You keep loving his people. You keep fellowshipping. You keep doing what God's called you to do. Fight the enemy off, but, but don't, let him, don't let him get you to a point that you get mad and start biting off ears. Because then you lose your way. Now you messed up really bad. See, the enemy wanted to get you to fight out of control. He just wanted to get you in the flesh. He wanted to get you mad. He wanted to get you to lose it so he can steal your destiny. He wanted to steal your purpose. So you got to be smarter than that. Nah. Now, Nehemiah said, no, here's what you do. Fight, keep your weapon in your hand, but you keep hammering. You keep doing what God told you to do. Don't you take your eyes off the prize. Not one moment. Can I have five more minutes? Can I have five more minutes? All right, five more minutes. All right. So watch this. So Samballot and Gershom, <laughs> what is Samballot and Tobiah and Gershom and all these guys, watch what they do in chapter 6. Look at chapter 6 in Nehemiah. We're just staying in Nehemiah today. Verses 1 through 3. Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. It says, now it happened when Samballot, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall, that there were no breaks left in it, though at the time I had hung the doors in the gates, he hadn't completed it, just about, that Samballot and Gershom sent to me saying, come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. Everybody say, oh no. How many know that's prophetic? If somebody say, hey man, come meet me at, at the club, oh no. Hello, oh no. Hello. <laughs> God can't be more plain. Man, come meet me, man, on the street call. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, ain't going nowhere. Oh, no, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, you're not. 
See, some of God's people, they just walk right in there. They, they name it prophetically on the door. Oh, no, we walk right up in there and get beat up and say, man, what happened to me? <laughs> Went in there, oh, no. <laughs> Y'all look at the name and say, oh, no. <laughs> so, so I sent messages to them saying, I am doing a great work. Look at this. Look at Nehemiah. He said, look, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why would the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? <laughs> Y'all see that? Nehemiah was like, is he saying about it until by that, that, that thing was? Here's what they were trying to say. They tried to be sneaky. Oh, I won't just come out and hang out with us. I, you know how the devil does? But you know what? Come on, watch, watch, watch. Here's how the devil do. Y'all, y'all want me to tell you what it is? Y'all want to tell you how the devil talk? Here. Y'all might get an if out of this. You just tired. You don't need to go to church all the time. God wants you to have rest. It doesn't matter if people need you. It doesn't matter if you need to pray and help. God just, you just, God expects you to rest. Won't you just chill out? I mean, they can find help some other way. Today is your day. You know, the devil probably ain't going to tell you to go to church. <laughs> oh, you know, you know, hey, you know what? Hey, 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 why you, you know, why, 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 why you, know, God doesn't, doesn't mind if you have just a little bit of weed. It ain't nothing but grass. Oh, God, come on down. Come, 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 come. God, God doesn't mind. Look, you, you, God doesn't mind. You go ahead and have a, just a little bit of fun. Go ahead and Go ahead and just indulge yourself with each other for a little while because nobody will ever know. I mean, after all, you earned it. Oh, you know, he's, y'all, 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 am I dialing you up? He whispers, right? Come on, come on, come, come down off the wall. What are you doing all that church stuff? What are you talking about? You want to change the world? Come on, it's just a phase. They'll stop. I mean, my best buddy told me it's just a phase, man, you're going through. Come on, let's go to the club. I said, oh, no. <laughs> he told me, I said, man, I just got saved and gave my life to the Lord, man. And, you know, we used to go out every Thursday night. And this is way back, back in the 80s when I was in my sin. So we used to have, like, ladies' night and wings' night and all that and alcohol for a drink, y'all. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some, uh, hopefully, nobody, y'all, some of y'all said. But anyway, so, so that's how it was back in the day. And so my friend said, hey, man. I said, well, I got saved, man. He said, well, you got what? He looked at me laughing. And I said, hey, about an hour later, he said, hey, man, let's go to the club. I said, oh, no, bro. I'm changed. I ain't, I can't, I can't. Oh, why not? I mean, ain't no, God ain't, God ain't, you know, come on. I said, no, brother, because I, I, God is putting me on a mission. I have a new way of doing things now. So, so I, I'm sorry. I just can't. You see, some of you are making major progress in the things of God. Now, here's what's going to happen. The enemy's going to try to pull you back. And you know how he does it? One little step at a time. Give a little here. Give a little there. And before you know it, the devil doesn't play fair. He will rip you off, and you'll wake up one day and be like, gosh, man, I, had, I know I had 100 bucks. Who took my money? Who, who ripped me? The devil will rip you off. Because he wants to pull you back to where you were. But how many of you know that when you are on an assignment for God, you know, you know that there's going to be opposition and it's not going to be easy. That's why you have to be disciplined. 
even when you don't feel like doing what God's word. Somebody told me today, somebody said today, they said they were up half the night last night. They got home late. But they're here. Why is it important to be here? Because everything you need and what God is doing in your life, he's doing it amongst his people, his body. There's no safer place for you to be than with the people of God. Even the hypocrite people of God, they are better than the tents of the wicked. Trust me. I got experience. I know. How many of you know what I'm talking Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. So finally, we're done. One verse. Look at verse number 15 in Nehemiah chapter 6. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elu in 52 days. Wow. It was finished. And it happened when all our enemies heard of it and all the nation around us saw these things. Here's what. That they were disheartened in their own eyes for they perceived, watch this, that this work had been done by God. (laughs) You know, that's a powerful testimony, isn't it? Nehemiah persevered. He had a burden. He had an assignment from God. You're on an assignment from God. Do y'all hear me? You're on an assignment from God. So your assignment from God will shape how you live your life. Your assignment from God will give credibility or will give a set direction on how you live your life. And so there are some things you can't do, not because it's not sin. Oh, no. Most people, live, most Christians live their life thinking, man, it ain't sin. It don't have anything to do with this. It's not sin. Sometimes it's just a matter of principle and what God is doing in your life. You need to guard. You need to watch out. Because Satan comes through the back door. He'll slip you a little something. And he'll, how many know he's a camouflager? He'll trick you. It make you think it's this, but when you look at the thing, it's that. And you're like, man, what happened? And then you come running to the altar, little pastor, pray for him. You know what God will do? He'll love you. I'll pray for you. He will dust you off and get you back in the fight.